Hey, listeners, how are you? It's Noah Baker, Voices of Construction, coming back at you with another episode. I don't know how you guys are doing, but I'm actually in New York City right now. Uh, it's been beautiful weather. I'm on the brink of a 10-day vacation, taking off some, some hopefully well-deserved leave here and take a holiday, relax, rejuvenate, come on back to, to crush it again and bring more episodes to you. So you won't hear from me for a, a week or so, but I'm still here and and thanks so much for listening. Um, you know, recently we, we got included in a wonderful Construction Dive article, um, naming us one of the best AEC podcasts out there. So, again, thank you for everybody listening, and thank you, Construction Dive. Super excited about that and, and happy to bring you more and more content here. But today's episode is actually Carly Griffin, a uh, colleague and good friend of mine here at TouchPlan. She actually works on our CS team, really supporting the projects that that our clients have and has implemented our technology over something like 750 projects. Interesting thing is she has an insider look on tech adoption, how to get your team bought in and, and different topics like that. That is a unique perspective because she has the ability to look at so many different projects and not just siloed to yours or one or two really just seeing trends within technology adoption, why people push back and, and really how to get over that. So this is a fun one. I, I love Carly. She's a wonderful employee and, and a great friend. So enjoy what we have for you today. Again, it's Carly Griffin with Voice of Construction. Thanks so much. See you soon, guys. So for everyone who doesn't know what's going on right now, we have Carly Griffin um, here from TouchPlan. Carly's a, a big, big touch planner and a good friend and colleague of mine. Um, how are you, Carly? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just, it's just you know, so dark in your house. I, okay. Uh, it's a problem. I need to get like a 12 foot ladder. All my lights went out. It's a whole thing. We're working through it. It doesn't feel huh. dark because I have all, all these windows, so it doesn't feel dark when I'm in it. But I get on a call and it looks like I'm sitting in the dark. But yeah, problem solving here. That. We're working You're through it. You're sitting in the dark. <laughs> cool. Well, I definitely wanted to have you on. Um, VOC, as Finn, the producer of the show, loves to call it, Voices of Construction. Um, Let's start off with a little just about you and, and who you are, where you came from, how you got to touch plan, where you're at now, all that exciting stuff. Oh, oh yeah. Fun journey. So I joined touch plan a little over three years ago now. So I've been here for many years, many years. Um, I'm currently a senior customer success manager, but I started out as a customer success associate. So I started out ground floor, just learning pretty much everything I could about being in customer success, learning everything I could about TouchPlan um, and sort of have grown over these last three years with TouchPlan. So as TouchPlan's evolved, I've sort of continued to grow and evolve through the whole thing. Um, it's It's been a great journey. I've, it's been fun to see sort of how TouchPlan's grown and evolved. Um, it's fun to be a part of it. Let's see, fun fact for how I even heard about TouchPlan, a little insider knowledge for now, all the all the VOC listener, listeners are going to get inside knowledge that shocks everyone at TouchPlan. But I actually heard about TouchPlan because my cousin is Miss Amanda McKernan, who works here as well. She's in the sales department. And she was telling me about it just in passing, being like, hey, 
we're, we have to hire a new customer success person. It's like happening soon. And as she was talking about it, I was sitting there going, you know, that sounds like exactly what I like to do. It's exactly what I want to do. Um, and so from there sort of dove, dove in head first. So yeah, cool. it's always a surprise. So any OG touch plan people who, who, who have, who know who Amanda is, it shocks everyone who works with us every single time. Cause we don't bring it up that much. And then when we do, it's always a surprise of, wait, what? Yep. Yeah. The cousin. That's yeah. Always Secret fun. cousin. Yeah. For those who don't know, we, we, the OGs have, have different attributes like email tags that are unique to us. And for instance, the hat I'm wearing right now, uh, things that you get when you were there at the beginning, but cool. The very beginning. I, mean, I definitely, I definitely wanted to, to kick it off with one for anyone who doesn't know Carly or spoken to Carly. Um, I think it's, it's pretty interesting hearing you interact with customers and grow with customers. For example, like, how many how many projects do you think have cycled through you and onboarding in the past three and a half years? Okay, so I I did the math recently because I was coming up on my three year anniversary at Touch Planet and I was feeling really nostalgic um, because as one does when you hit anniversaries, you're like, oh wow, let's see let's see what happens. So let me I'm gonna find the exact number. Which, which always can be a good and bad experiment for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> This it ended up being a good one, I will say for sure. Let's see. Okay, so in terms of onboarding, let's see. I have spent over 400 hours onboarding clients. At this point, that number is higher. Um, I've worked with over 600 different project teams, over 75 different companies. Um, and I have helped at this number is probably higher now. Um, but I have worked with or responded to or helped out with over 2,500 live chat conversations. So for those wow. of you who don't know, but one of the ways we, the customer success team supports our clients is through a live chat. And so over my, my three years here, I've over 2,500 conversations I've sort of helped in and my response time is under 30 seconds. So all those fun stats were, it was a trip down memory lane there for sure. Go. Go, back and, go back and go through all those. Because I remember like first responding to live chats, first onboarding clients, uh, and it being sort of a newer experience. And then looking back, being like, oh my gosh, <laughs> how times have changed, how how it's just second nature now. Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely why I wanted to have you on and kind of kind of talk through things and banter like we do. Um, <laughs> but is really just your you're in a unique position in the sense that you get to talk to so many people from every like inch of the globe almost, right? From yep. North America all the way through the Netherlands and Australia. Um, let's just kick it off with when you first started in terms of the things that were harder for people to understand, harder for people to get within the industry, what has really grown in terms of almost common knowledge, no matter where project team is and their maturity and things of that nature? Well, I think two things stand out to me a lot. One of which is technology as a whole, just in general. And then also TouchPlan was founded on the last planner system and that whole planning concept as a whole. 
those two things, I feel like I've seen tremendous growth and understanding in the industry about. Um, starting with technology, I remember when I first first was onboarding teams, a huge portion of those those hour long training sessions was spent talking people through how to share their screen, talking people through um, how to get people iPads, talking through how they're going to, how all the different trade partners using TouchPlan were going to be using iPads. Um, It was a lot of what's the technology going to look like to support this. Um, And when I would go on site to planning sessions, sort of giving people iPads who never used iPads before. Um, And over the last three years, I've seen that change dramatically. I think one of the good things, I guess, coming out of COVID is that everyone was forced to use technology in a very different way, very rapidly. So I've seen a dramatic increase in people understanding how to use Zoom or Teams and being able to quickly jump on a call, share their screen, and everyone's really comfortable with that process now. And because everyone's forced has was forced to use technology, they sort of had to jump feet first in. And that fear of, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pick it up. I'm, I don't know, I'm not really good with computers, started to go away a lot faster. So I've, in the three years, even pre-COVID, I was seeing this as, as well, but I, I would say in the last year and a half, that technology adoption, there's still always a little bit of a fear when you're adopting a new technology. I don't think that's ever gonna go away, but I've seen that sort of, hasn't been as much of a barrier because people are a lot more used to just using it as part of their daily lives. Hopping on a Zoom call is norm is a normal term now. And so people are a lot more comfortable receiving help that way. They're a lot more comfortable asking for help that way. And so they're picking up technology in a different in a different way now, which is really exciting to see because now when I'm talking to teams, it's more of planning styles or best practices or hey, I've seen this other team do it this way. I I think here's a great suggestion. And we don't have to spend as much time digging into sort of the technology of it all because everyone's picking that up a lot faster, Um, which is really exciting because we can have really impactful conversations a lot earlier in the process because it doesn't seem like such such a barrier to entry. And then the other one, that whole planning process as a whole, I remember when I was first training teams, we would also spend a lot of time sort of talking through what the last planning planner system was and talking through things like what PPC means because it was a newer concept for a lot of people or everyone had a very different definition of all of these quote unquote terms or buzzwords. But now when I get on a call and I say, okay, do you guys do daily huddles? Is that a thing up for your project? More often than not, the answer is yes. More often than not, when I say, hey, are you guys tracking PPC? Do you guys know what that means? That's something you have used to do. And yeah, here's what we've we've been struggling doing it the manually way, but here's here's how we've been doing it. And so again, we're jumping into the more impactful conversations a lot earlier because that understanding of what what the planning process is like has spread a lot further. People are people know what it is when I say the last planner system a lot more now, which is really exciting. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's there's so much in that, and I think on the on the topic of of technology, we really see this massive fear of like adoption and pushback and buy-in, and like for everyone listening that's 
Carly's job is to like <laughs> get a successful adoption, buy-in and success of a project or multiple projects. But really we you and I have talked about it. Our our wonderful good friend Lane Hess at Jacobson has talked about it. And I mean, what I see as the main kind of underlying reason for fear of adoption from a more veteran superintendent or something like that, really we assume it's a change of his world and the way that she or he is doing something, but really it's just kind of this this fear of lack of knowledge when they're so good at what they do and it's so regular for them. You know, as simple as not knowing how to open Zoom as quick as they think they should or not knowing how to type as well as they think they should. And it really mm -hmm. becomes, like you've said many times, like these sessions become more like therapy sessions for you where oh, yeah. um, it's like if we kind of revert back to their human nature and like the fear of being embarrassed in a trailer, I, I find that to be mm. like their main reason for pushback because it's new to them. And I guess Absolutely. to you, kind of how, how do we conquer that? And how do we also change the perception of like these more veteran professionals in the industry? It's like, they're all down for making their process better. They're all down for doing their job better and having more professional clout because they're the best. And, but really they just don't want technology because it's new and scary. And how much of your yeah. job entails calming that down? <laughs> so much. I, we definitely make the joke all the time. Of we'll get off a call and it, it really was just, it was a therapy session. And it wasn't that they were complaining about touch plan or they were complaining about their job. It's just talking through any frustration they're dealing with whether it's touch plan or like adopting the new planning system, maybe it's newer for their team. And it's having us come in and say, okay, we're here for you. We're ready to help. And we take the approach all the time. Another saying we throw around is meet them where they're at because everyone's coming to this in a different perspective. So everyone's got a different level of technology, technological expertise, if you will. And so they're coming at it with slightly different fears for different reasons, but it all boils down to I don't, I don't want to be the person standing in front of the room introducing my team to this new software if I don't understand it very well. So before I get on, before I have that meeting where I'm standing in front of the room showing this new software to my trade partners, for example, can you just hop on a call real quick and talk me, talk me through these little questions I have? And meeting them wherever they are in that process of is it questions about the whole software? Is it questions about a particular area? Is it questions just how to describe it? Um, being able to meet that team or that super where they're at and say, okay, what 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 are those questions? Because we're here to help. We've, we've I've promised I've heard that question before. Whatever the question is, we're here to help. And I think just having someone, an actual human being that they can jump on the phone with and talk through these scenarios in their head teams walk away a lot more confident. And oftentimes I'll get on the, the phone with the team and they just talk through what they're thinking. And I might not end up saying anything. I might just say, yeah, it sounds like you've got it down. And they just need someone to sort of confirm that, okay, I do know what I'm talking about. Because all the teams I've worked with, they're going to, they're every, every single team I ever meet is gonna have way more knowledge about construction than I'll ever be able to get. 
never the smartest person in the room. Exactly. You're never the smartest I mean, person in the room. I'm not. That's sometimes. not an insult. <laughs> no, but they're going to have so much more construction knowledge. But I also am going to have way more touch plan knowledge because of how much I live and breathe the tool. And so having that understanding of I'm going to be able to give you as much touch plan knowledge as you possibly want and need. And so I'm just here to support you through that. And one of the things I like to sort of end all of my trainings with is you don't have to have it all figured out in one go. We're with you through the whole process. And I think that can sort of ease some people's fear too. When they get on a call, they're like, I need to know everything. If you're rapidly jotting down notes, you're afraid you're gonna miss something, but we're gonna work with you through it. And that sort of slow approach, because it works for some teams where it's slowly, okay, next week we're gonna, we're gonna sit back down we're going to talk through which reports to use because I've started planning a little bit and I just need need that refresher. I know you've talked about it before. Um, and I feel like that yeah. that sort of having someone else separate from everything else be in their corner can sort of help ease that fear because you're just having someone to sort of bounce back ideas back and forth on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you said, I also think you know, we, we talked to Brian McGuire for episode one, and he he really talked about the, the type of personality that the people in this business have, right? They're getting things done. Mm -hmm. They're technical. They have jobs to do. They understand it. And it's, you know, I've listened to you have- And they're the experts at what they do. They're the experts at right. what they do, too. And they've been the experts at what they do for so long. So having this new thing that comes in that they're not an expert at yet. When they've been the expert at everything else for so long, that's always going to be a little, a little jolting. Right, and and stopping people right there, they're they're technical human beings that want to know the nuts and bolts of everything. But really, you always slow them down and kind of explain the why. It's like, why are you going to spend fifteen minutes on this and how it will help you? And I think with buy-in for any technology, that's so massive because. You could run through a tutorial of any technology, including touch plan. And it's like, great, that's what we're gonna do in here, but like why why the hell am I doing this? Like <laughs> I, can, I can do this on a notepad, right? And do you think that that team buy-in and accountability when they really understand the why as a team with their subcontractors, with their project team, that it like the light bulb goes off, or is it more kind of the grassroots effect of once they get into a technology and they realize it's saving them time and they they visualize and see the reality of the value of technology. Where where are they like, where can you go, you know, hands off and, and release people into the wild, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think one thing that's interesting and it always I always get excited when it happens is that light bulb moment happens differently for every team where some teams it's during the first onboarding call and I show them how to promise and work and just being able to pin down work so it's not going to fall off a trailer wall for them is super exciting because they they know right then and there it's saving them a ton of, them a ton of time for some teams, it's when they're able to run reports on a consistent basis. And that's where their light bulb moment is. It's, oh my gosh, I don't have to spend three hours taking handwritten notes and putting them into Excel. Like, wow, this is going to save me so much time. And sometimes it's that light bulb moment happens after they've introduced it to their trade partners and their trade partners are being like, no, this is saving us a lot of time and energy. And they're like, okay, so my team, 
my team's actually fully bought in. Like I, I, I get it now. I get it now. And so that light bulb moment happens a little differently for everybody. Um, and so whenever it does happen, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe uh, we were doing it a different way before. I always get really excited when I get that good feedback. So I'm like, okay, yes, like they're there. Um, but I would say more often than not, when I'm like, you know, release, release the project team to the wild, it's once they've actually started messing around and everything. Because I can sit there on an hour-long training call and I can talk about every single button and touch button. We can go through every single one. But more often than not, it's not going to click until they're actually in there working in the software. Because I was most of our project teams, not everybody, but a lot of them learn by doing. I feel like that's a lot of the people in the construction industry have that learning style of learning by doing. And so more often than not, those light bulbs click when we get off the phone and they start adding three weeks of work. And all of a sudden I get an email with all these random questions that didn't come up when I was going through the training session, but now that they're actually doing it, they're like, oh, okay, I see this, I see how this works. Well, what about this button? I don't, I don't really get what that means yet. And so it's, it's that learning by doing when after they've done that, we hop on another call, we go through what those questions are. They're like, okay, no, this isn't as scary as I thought it was gonna be. And this was pretty easy to pick up, I got this. Um, I feel like that's where a lot of that light bulb moment comes in is once they've actually started getting into the tool and sort of diving headfirst past the fear of what is this new software, learning by doing, I think is where a lot of people sort of start to fly. Start to fly. <laughs> Spread their wings. Spread their wings and fly. I was also just thinking, you know, this podcast as a whole really was the the brainchild of David Finnegan, the producer, shout out, um, and myself in terms of coming into this industry years ago in a technology firm with preconceived ideas and notions of who I was going to be interacting with, of who... I would be talking to what they would be like, what their personalities would be like, what their day-to-day -day would be like, what they do on a daily -day basis, all of these things. And we really wanted to shine a light on the reality of what you and I both now know is the truth and the diversity and the intelligence and, and all of that. But you're such a good person to speak on that because coming into, was TouchPlan like your first, first job coming out of school? Coming out of school, yeah. I started maybe yeah. a month after I graduated college. So just coming into this industry, like, I guess, what did you think it was going to be like? And what are like the mind-blowing realizations that we all kind of go through where we meet some of like the sweetest, most intelligent human beings we've ever met when we might have thought that they were kind of going to be like rough and ragged and, and you know, swinging hammers. Um I mean, that, that is true, right? Like society in the U.S. That's the stereotype, that. for sure. Right, yeah, that's no, that's, that's so. definitely the stereotype, for sure. And I remember when I was telling people what I was going to be doing after I graduated college, everyone was like, you're going into the construction industry? Like, what? what? Um, and so there was definitely that surprise. Um, and it's funny because I guess my perception of the construction industry, I didn't know as much about it, but I guess it wasn't as it was a little different than I would say what society thinks because all of my uncles are, they're in the roofing industry. All of them are roofers. So I've been around people in the construction industry sort of all the time, but I still, I didn't know that much about it. And so 
I remember getting on the first couple calls with clients and I remember being a little sort of more reserved. Gotta, gotta be, gotta be super professional. That's what you learn. Gotta be super, super professional. And not that I'm not professional, but as I got more for everyone that, for everyone that doesn't know also, (laughs) Carly is like a total sweetheart, super (laughs) like jovial and fun, but we'll go toe to toe with the best on their best day in terms of an argument <laughs> and probably one of the more competitive people I've ever met in my entire life. Me, so I, am, I digress. It's, it's funny because <laughs> I am, you're right. One of, I'm extremely competitive. We've made competitions out of Lego building competition, Lego building in our office before. Yeah. Make everything a competition when it's, <laughs> when it is very much not supposed to be. Um, children's puzzles. I remember puzzles. just being, children's puzzles. Uh, no one I had it got into a heated argument building a 12, per, <laughs> 12 piece puzzle for four-year-olds um you did cheat but well it, it's fine <laughs> it, it's fine it's fine it's whatever that's the side wins who cares um <laughs> so I remember though the first couple calls I was definitely more quiet definitely trying to really think through everything um and sort of I didn't know what to expect I didn't know who I was I didn't know the clients yet I didn't know who our clients were um but one of our first calls was actually, well, I remember vividly, one of my first calls was actually with John Andres, who is one of our, one of our good friends, uh, good enterprise clients, been with us forever. And I remember just like, I was actually on the call with Josie, who is, is one of my bosses. Um, and I remember they were just joking back and forth. He was making fun of her so-called Boston accent, which neither Josie or I really have a Boston accent, but almost every single time I talked to John, we like to make fun of it. To John, he'll try you put on a, Oh, yeah. <laughs> to John, I have a really strong Boston accent. So he'll, he'll sort of poke fun at my Boston accent. And he's from Texas. And so I'll be like, well, come on. You throw wicked into every other word. And sort of I remember that moment being like, okay, you, you don't have to sort of hide your personality because everyone in the industry has got a strong personality. And so I didn't have to hide. I could give it as much as I was, I was taking it. And so it's funny that you mentioned being competitive because it's, I, all my projects that I ran demos in, I would change my project logo to be like the Pats logo or when the Bruins were in the playoffs, the Bruins logo. And just like that small thing would spark these conversations about sports and who you root for and where you're from with our clients from all over. And I'll still get emails from clients oh, when Brady left to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got multiple emails from project teams being like, bet you're sad about Brady leaving, huh? And so being able to just like share, talk about who I am, talk about what I care about and sort of talking about just life in general, hearing about um, like how people are doing when the snowstorm hits, like talking to the customer about teaching his daughter how to drive. That's a, that's a way more fun and way more engaging to have those conversations with the teams because you get to know them on a personal level and they get to know you on a personal level. We've had clients who are like, hey, I'm coming up to Boston for the weekend. Like, what should I do? What should I see? Um, you mentioned Lane earlier. He came up for uh, to, to the area a few falls back. And Josie and I sat down and put together like an itinerary of places he should go, places he should eat. Um, because you get to know these people and you care about them and you want them to have a good time and you want to sort of share the things that you care about with them. Um, and sort of getting over that initial like okay gotta be a little quiet which i'm not a quiet person at all for anyone who knows me um <laughs> being able to like no i can just i can laugh i can be myself was a huge uh sort of eye-opening moment of like okay this is these people are the nicest 
I've, I almost pretty much never had a bad experience talking with anyone because everyone's so, so nice and they care and they want to make their, your day better. And they want to sort of talk to you, even if they're dealing with something that's really frustrating to them in the moment, they'll have a conversation. They'll ask you how you're doing. They'll ask about how things are going in Boston. Um, and so that always sort of puts a smile on your day, huh? smile on your face for the right. day. No, I mean, I think it's interesting every time we not only talk about technology, but we talk about new process and change. I think there's an, an immediate fear that the kind of like human aspect and the humanity and what we've known about the construction industry and how people interact. And because on a day-to-day -day basis, they're on site together, they're face-to-face, -face, is that Technology is going to take that away and it's going to be like, you know, the iRobot of the world and there's going to be no <laughs> compassion and no humanizing and no talks about sports. And one thing I think our company does very well on the support side is that this is not a plug for TouchPlan at all. In fact, this is probably <laughs> the most we've ever said TouchPlan on the show. Um, but I, I think that's super important for any project team in their worries to implement any technology is like approach it just like you would anything else, right? Approach it like you would teaching a new piece of equipment on site in person with people talking about their their insecurities of being 18 stories above the ground and their insecurities about technology. And that's really what you do best and you've been around for a long time but how do you think that reflects on on kind of everything and how change is happening it's like are we taking the human component out of things and is that good right with like vr and digital planning and all this crazy stuff that's that's happening I think it's there's a perception that we're taking the human element out, but it's so untrue. Yeah, for sure. And I think a couple things that just uh, jumped into my mind as you were saying that. So I may be about to word vomit all of my thoughts. Um, one of them is, we, I mean, we have the same fear. We 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 implement a new process at our company. It's like, okay, well, is that going to take? Is that going to make it harder for us to be able to connect? When a lot of us went remote, we had that fear of. Well, I'm not gonna be able to be. I'm not sitting in the office next to no anymore. Um, am I gonna talk to him as much? I didn't have that fear. As much? <laughs> and so, but there's that's what happens with change. You're forced to start using different technologies. Um, but I think in one aspect, I mentioned Zoom earlier. The fact that you're using this new technology can be scary, but it's also enabled me to talk to teams over in Australia that I never would have talked to. There's it would, there's almost no shot that I'm ever going to go to Australia, though I would love to one day. So I'm just going to keep that on my, my, my wish list. But the fact that because of technology, I can be talking to teams and I can be supporting them. Um, I think even though it's a little scary that you sort of want that ability to be face to face with someone, if you jump over that fear just a little bit, well, we're not face to face, but I'm actually able to have this conversation with you from thousands and thousands of miles away. And then the other thing that sort of sparked into my management, things like VR or um, different sort of technologies. I forget who, which company I work with that takes this approach. So I may be stealing someone's idea, but I wanna give them credit if I remembered who they were, um, is 
the reason that companies want to adopt this technology is not to take the human element out of it, but to sort of give, give the humans involved back that humanity. So if I can give you a technology that's going to make it easier for you to do your job, safer to do your job, allow you to do your job faster, that just means you get to go home to your families earlier. You just spend more time with them and less Saturdays on site. You spend more time with your family because we have this, we've decided to implement this technology that's going to improve what's going on in the job site. So it's, you're going to be safer on site. You're going to be home earlier. You're going to be able to go to your kid's soccer game on Saturday instead of having him to the job site because we're, we're adopting this technology. So yes, we may be taking a little bit of the human actually swinging the hammer and doing the work, but we're giving that human time back to you, that humanity back to you. And that's why I think teams want to adopt technologies to make, make the process easier so that they can finish the job and get back to their family and get back to their lives. Um, that's really important to a lot of people. And that's why they want to do this. So yes, the initial thought is, oh, if I'm not doing it and some software is doing it, well, what's, what's, gonna, what's, what's that going to mean? Do they need me anymore? No, it just means that you can do your job easier and faster and better. And you can go home earlier, see your family. And I forgot who right. used that approach, but it really stuck with me because that's why we're doing this. Yeah, I mean, we always see when like going back to adoption, I always I always tell clients about any technology that I'm working for or touch playing currently is that you're going to win your team over in the first stage on what I call like a grassroots level. Like one day a week, they actually get their like kid from school instead of being on site running Gantt chart reports or something like that. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. that's a win. And if you can revert that direct, that value directly back to a technology, that's how you're going to win your trade contractors over. That's how you're going to win your project team over and really get that adoption going. And ultimately that's what we're trying to do with machinery and equipment and technology and everything else. And even like prefab and concrete form and, and everything else is just save time. And we always think of it in this lens of saving time on this project, making more money, saving time. And that's kind of the, the notion that we're thinking where it's like, oh, we can save time, increase our ROI on this project. But a lot of the times you ask anyone on the job site, when they think about saving time, they think about what you just said. It's like, yeah, I get to go home. Like I can go see my wife. I can go have dinner. I can go mow my lawn. I can go do the things that I love, whether it's, Camping or archery, I don't know. Um, I don't know why I just said archery. I've never met anyone that does archery. Um, but also, one of the things you mentioned is something that I think about a lot with not only technology, not only processes like the last planner system, not only with hiring consultants, is that a lot of professionals in our industry hold a lot of secrets that make them good at their job. And if they let that go, they're less valuable. So if I adopt mm -hmm. this technology, it makes me less valuable. And that's the the idea. And that's what they're thinking. And, oh, I'm going to be replaced by this robot called Touch Plan. And it's so important, like what you just said, where, no, we're going to take all of your knowledge and all of your process knowledge and all of your facilitation knowledge from 60 years and allow you to do it even better 
it's not going to take anything away from you. In fact, it's going to do the direct opposite. Mm -hmm. So in terms of that lens, have you had any people that you speak to over the what? 750 project what'd you say like some crazy number it's a crazy um, number crazy number over those years that came into it with that attitude like oh hey oh, yeah. go away carly you're not taking my job from me and then a year later they're like carly i was teaching my kid how to drive <laughs> Do <you have> any <laughs> pointers? like oh yeah um and that <sighs> command and control of I need to be able to control everything because I, I need to be that important person. I need to have that knowledge. Um, I need to, if I, if I give away this knowledge, someone else is going to have it. And so that sort of command and control reaction can be, can be tough, be tough to face with. Cause you're like, Hey, I'm here to help. I want you guys to succeed. That's literally in my job title is for you guys to be successful. And if we're, if we're not going to be working with everyone, if we're not going to be collaborating, I, I see, I see the, I see the path going poorly, but it really comes down to reminding them why we're doing this and, and what we were just talking about of, I don't want you to be sitting here doing this all by yourself, manually entering everything in because you don't want to give up that control because it's not going to then save you that time to go home and pick up your kid from soccer. And so reminding them of the why we're doing this, it's to make everybody's lives easier. It's to lessen the burden on yourself. It's to make those meetings go shorter so we can get back into the field and we're not sitting around in long meetings. No one likes to sit in long meetings. So finding that thing that that person cares about and sort of, you might have to slow play it a little, but reminding them, hey, here's why are we doing this? And it's not gonna make you any less important, um, but it's what we're gonna need to do to, to be successful. It's going to make everyone's lives easier. And so there's been plenty of times where you've been able to sort of bridge that gap and it's okay, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a couple more people join. I'm a couple more people get involved. Um, and then there's also been times where they don't listen and they come back and they're like, oh, okay, well, we really ran into these issues. It's like, okay, well, what, what do you, wh where'd those issues come from? And, and sort, of, sort of backing them into, okay, it didn't work for the first however many months because of what <laughs> you didn't want to share the knowledge or you didn't want to share um, control. Let's talk about why that's been so challenging for you. So why, why do you feel like it's been extra time? Well, have you been getting, getting, is anybody else helping you facilitate those meetings? Is anyone else adding tickets with you? And sort of being able to back into it too, once they've dealt with the struggle that we may have seen before, saying, okay, how can we, how can we make your life easier? And saying, okay, by making your life easier, we're going to have to lessen that control a little bit, but here's what's going to happen. And so it's always bringing back to the why. Why are we doing this? Why is it helpful? Why is it important? And I think that's important to always remember sort of in any technology you're adopting, why am I doing this? Why am I asking this question? Why do I want this software to do this thing? Why do I want, why am I looking for something to help, to help make this easier? And bringing it back to that why I think can really ground a lot of people and re sort of recenter everything because job sites can be chaotic. You have a lot of things going on. You're jumping in between meetings, you have people calling you all the time. So it can be easy to lose that why. Sort of taking that moment to say, okay, why, why are we doing this in the first place? And I think that can help sort of refocus a lot of, again, comes down to that fear too. Refocus a lot of that fear back to doing what we need to do to make, to make ourselves successful.
Yeah. No, and I, I think one of the biggest like business challenges that any technology, whether it's open space or touch plan or you know any of the construction technologies out there, a lot of our prospects and clients come to us because of a lack of transparency of what's going on on a job site. And mm -hmm. what we provide and the information and the consultative advice that we provide is like, if you hold everything siloed and you don't get anyone else to contribute, there's absolutely no way we can like create transparency, yeah. right? There's like, yep. I get it that this is one of your goals, but if we're not going to implement, not just the technology, right? All we are is an implementation and enablement tool in a better process, right? Like we're not going to change your world if you don't change anything. And, yeah. I, and think I think that goes with a ton of technologies, right? Oh yeah. If the amount of times where you might have talked to someone, whether it's touch plan or a different software, and it's like, well, I bought the software. Why didn't it, it didn't do what I needed it to do? Well, did you use it? Did you open the app? Did you, did you actually listen to best practices? Because whether it's touch plan or a totally different technology software, the reason that those best practices are coming from their customer success team is because they're best practices and because they want you to be successful using that software. No software is going to be the magic button. No software or piece of technology is ever going to sort of magically fix anything. Sort of have to figure out how to work it into it. You might, as, you might as well use them because it will show you the largest ROI for purchasing any technology <laughs> on the face of the earth. Exactly. If you just sort of, yeah, I bought the software. Why isn't it fixing everything for me? That's never going to work for any software, any piece of technology, any piece of equipment. But figuring out how to work it into your process and making sure it becomes part of the process, well, then you're going to start seeing some changes. And so that's when it's actually going to it's actually going to be impacting you because you're actually using it and you're actually adopting it and you're listening to best practices from anybody because those best practices are always best practices for a reason. Um, one of the things you mentioned, I've been with, worked with 700 different project teams. So like I, I said earlier, I'm never gonna know more about construction than other teams. But when it comes down to how touch plan and planning and touch plan works, I've seen it all. I've seen so many different ways people have planned and tried to plan because I've worked with those 700 different plus teams or whatever the number is. I've seen them figure out how to, build their plan. I've seen them struggle with having too much in one plan. I've seen them struggle with having 45 plans and they really should have three. And so, and that's the same sort of approach everyone else on my team has, is we've seen so many different things. So when we have these best practices that we've created, it's because we've seen when someone doesn't do it, what happens? And we've seen when someone follows those, what also happens? And so listening to them from whatever company or software is sort of preaching them, it's probably because they've seen them work. Biggest takeaway for everyone listening is listen to people like Carly, no matter what software <laughs> you buy, because you will make your investment go a lot further. <laughs> um, and, and one of the things that you and I talk about, like outside of this and, and kind of going back to the, the misunderstood industry and the people in the industry that I hear all the time, and this is kind of changing gears, but it's it's a pride for what they do 
and I mean, we all know, like you speak to a PM about like a project. It's like, you better, you better get your popcorn ready because this conversation is going to go for an hour. Is, is that pride in what they do and changing cityscapes and landscapes and educational institutions and stadiums for their favorite team? Like, Gilbane of Fenway, right? And um, like after working on so many projects, having a, ve- a a small hand or a large hand in 700 and some projects, it's like, is that what drives you to continue in this industry? Is just being able to have that that pride that not only our technology, but also yourself individually, like you can't take that away from you, right? Like have had a hand in building so many amazing things that have helped children's hospitals and things like that. Does that drive you in this industry and you want to stay or? Oh yeah. It's so cool. And it's funny. Once I started working for touch plan and walking around Boston, because Boston's always under construction. You see, I see a, a the construction site and I see the sign on the side. I'm like, Oh, we work with that company. I wonder what that project is. Or, Oh my gosh, that's actually, that's a job I'm on. Like I was on, I was on site there. That's a job I'm on. And all my friends are like, I don't, okay, cool. Like, no, you don't understand. Here's what the project is. Here's what they're doing. Or I was there. Um, and so it's really cool to see, Hey, that's a, that's a project we're working on. It's a project I know. Um, and they're doing really cool things. The teams we work with are doing really cool things they're on really cool projects. And so getting to hear about them, is always exciting. It's like, I didn't even know that existed, let alone that you guys are already building it. And it's already been an idea that's been thought of. Um, and so it's fun. I'm always looking at when there's there's new job sites or how how buildings are growing up in my brain. I'm thinking like, okay, that's I wonder what that pro- project's going to be. I wonder what that is, or that's when we're on. And I'm always telling my friends as we go by them, hey, that's one of ours, that one's ours. Um, funnily enough, one of our projects is actually an answer to a trivia question. Did trivia with my friends a few weeks ago. Um, and one of our projects was a trivia question or connected to a trivia question. I'm saying, like, that's one of ours. That's one of ours. And my friends are like, oh, okay. Do we have the answer right? But it's fun. I like to brag about it. I like to talk about it because I think it's really cool. It's really cool to see. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it too. I, I, I've probably told this story a thousand times and Every time we have a new employee and they ask me to like speak to them, it's like why work at TouchPlan is is like when when you speak to a super working on you know and this happened to me working on a children's hospital, it's like I'm going full sales guy where it's like well how can I how can I increase your ROI how can I like what would happen if I cut your timeline down all that kind of stuff they just kind of leveled with me and was like no it means we can open these doors and like infant babies will be being saved and will be done. And that means we have a mm-hmm. month more of blank amount of children getting the care they need. And that really took me back when I started in this industry, when I was like, wow, I'm thinking about this all wrong, right? Like, yeah, I am an idiot and I'm embarrassed that I thought the other way around. I mean, every company, every business has a bottom line, but ultimately like boots on the ground, they're working for something. You know, and oh, yeah. I always thought that was the coolest part. For sure. And I, especially, I feel like we probably, we hear a similar story a lot, especially with the teams we work with that are on sort of hospital renovations is because more often than not, it, or not necessarily, but a lot of times it's not like a brand new hospital coming up. It's they're reno- renovating an existing floor. So they're living and breathing it too. They're walking into that hospital 
next to the parents who are worried about their sick kid as they're heading up to their job site. And so it's real life to them. Um, and it's real life to us when we hear those stories and we see what's going on. Um, but even when it's not so life or death, it's a new concert hall that's being built. It's something that's gonna bring joy to people. And here's, we're gonna have this really cool events that are coming through this area um, where we, ha we haven't had events like this come through before. So it's gonna be really cool that this is gonna be there because I'm gonna be able to take my family here. Um, when, when teams are on cool projects like that, they can't help but brag. And then we can't help get but get excited about it. So we hear about a really cool project that go that's going on and we talk to the team. One of the first things we do when we get off the call is we start I start talking to the rest of the customer success team. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can't believe what this project team's doing. It's so cool. I didn't know this existed. Uh, whether it's cancer research or just this new museum that's going up in this new area, it's always really cool to hear about those projects because you can see sort of how that's going to impact someone's life. And it becomes more relative to us, like speaking of museums, right? We have like the Albright Knox Museum project in Buffalo. And and I went to University of Buffalo, shout out. Um, but I, I, it's just, I, I graduated with a degree in graphic design advertisement. I had to go there a lot for class and school. And it was like, it really resonated with me um, to like improve that part of my memories. And I think, a lot of the professionals that work in their hometown or where they grew up really have like a deep admiration and a passion for not only improving it, but like truthfully just like making it cooler. It's like, I've made my oh, yeah. hometown awesome, right? Like you said, it yeah. doesn't have to be life or death, but if I increase Fenway theater, like next time I go to a Red Sox game as a PM, right? I'm never going to shut up about how we we did this. Like we're having a beer here because, because I me. made this happen <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Right, yeah. it's all me, it's all me. Um, yeah, so I mean, what, what else have you seen change? We talked about like lean principles. Um, talk about that a little. I mean, you, I've seen you like individually grow in your, your knowledge base and, and, going to lean coffees and all of that. But instead of just technology, let's just talk about process, making people's lives better and how to take a step-by-step -step or what you've seen in terms of a step-by-step -step approach, like meeting teams where they are and setting a goal and what successes yeah. or failures or hysterical stories have you seen come from that? Well, it's, I think, one of the things I, I definitely saw this a lot initially, and like I mentioned, it's definitely changing a little bit. Um, the first the first year probably where I'd be working with teams and be talking about lean is, oh yeah, it's all that academic stuff. Like it doesn't work in the real world. So like, okay, well, let's let's break down that academic talk into what you're actually gonna do. Let's let's get away from the academic talk. Let's talk about daily huddles. Is that a thing you guys do? That's an element of the last planner system. Let's start small. Or let's talk about, you guys do weekly meetings? Well, how, how weekly meetings are structured and sort of incorporated in the last planning planner system, maybe a little bit differently than how you've been doing them. So you already do weekly meetings. Let's talk there. And let's get away from buzzwords that you might not know. And let's just talk about how you guys are currently planning. Um, 
and then slowly building into all the different elements of the last planner system, I think is how I started with a lot of teams of, well, how are you guys planning now? What are you doing pre being pre using the last planner system, pre being told to use the last planner system? How are you guys planning right now? And let's, and oftentimes there's elements that they're doing that are already part of the last planner system. So let's, let's talk about them. Let's talk about why some of those work. Uh, and let's make some like more than anyone knows right more more yeah, than anyone knows wait. i always have that conversation and it's like let's throw lean terminology and i i'm guilty i hate it as well i think it's kind of like the somewhat of like a boys club we've created these things to so use our terms when you know like lean journey and all of that but if you get someone to explain their planning process and they claim to be, you know, following a CPM kind of kind of deal, and then get them to detail out their planning process. Probably half of those aspects of kind of a, a lean planning process are already in existence. It's yeah. just not maybe used in the right way or develop the right data or insight. It might just be more of like a, a a step that they don't pay attention to, but I think that's super important in talking about where it's not this like life-changing effect or change where you have to throw everything out the window and start from scratch. When in reality, what what would you say? 90% of the people that come to us or you talk to are already doing, let's say four different steps that I would categorize as lean strategic steps in a process. Yeah, for you think the sort of steps of the last planner system, you think pull planning, make ready planning, or look ahead planning. Everybody does a look ahead plan. You can't not have a look ahead plan. So everyone does that. Maybe not everyone does pull planning, but everyone has a look ahead plan. Everyone's got a weekly work plan. It may look different. They may look different for everybody, but everyone's got a weekly work plan. And maybe not everybody has official daily huddles. But they've got some sort of daily check-in with their team, whether it's them walking the job site and just checking in or it's a formal daily huddle. I would say the two that aren't as obvious, it's going to be that pull planning and the learning of taking that moment to reflect on what's happened because job sites are fast moving places. And so there's often not that moment to stop and reflect. And I think more often than not, that's where a lot of the changes come into play of making sure there's that moment in that weekly work planning session to reflect on what happened last week and apply those lessons learned to next week. We're not telling, it's not groundbreaking to say, hey, you need to, in this weekly work planning session today on Monday, we need to talk about what we're doing this week. That's not groundbreaking. Everyone's going to do that. But adding that element of, well, look what happened last week. Where'd we run into issues? Okay, can we prevent those issues from happening this week? Or are we just going to keep making the same planning mistake over and over again? Which is a pretty common industry trend because you're moving so fast. But having that sort of moment of reflection and having that moment of reflection in your daily huddles and using reports to look at higher level, I would say that's where a lot of the change is, is being able to take that moment in each of these steps they're already doing and look at the dig into the why. So it comes back to the why. Well, why did this happen? Why did we not think of it ahead of time? What 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 happened here? And then and applying to take those lessons on that why, right? Exactly. Where if you just sit around and have a kumbaya session, 
it's not going to do anything. It's like our it's good friend and colleague Andrew loves to say. It's like cutting down trees with the same doll axe, right? Where it's not going to do anything. You're not doing anything. Um, yeah, and, and I think that one of the things too, input from other yeah. people, right? Where exactly, like it's hear, hearing how somebody else dealt with it, how how somebody else might have approached that situation. Okay, maybe the the electrician's having this issue get with materials. The plumbing team's not. Right. It's different materials, but maybe how the plumbing team's preparing to get the materials is different than how the electrical team's pre preparing to get their materials on site. Learning from everybody else, because like we said earlier, no, you're never the smartest person in the room. Um, and I think another thing, too, um, is I think a lot of times we might chalk something up to something that's outside of our control. Whether it rained, what are you going to do about that? Well, we're never going to be able to change when it rains. We're never going to be able to change when it snows. But maybe Monday morning, before we commit to a plan, we pull up with a weather report. And we say, hey, is it going to rain this week? It looks like it's 90% chance of rain on Wednesday. Okay, should we really be planning to do all these things that we can't do in the rain? Or should we be planning to do other things? Looks like we're going to hit with a nor'easter up in Boston. We're going to hit with three feet of snow. Okay, can we plan to do something else besides the stuff that we can't do in the snow? So we're not going to change the weather, but we can change how we react to it. So on that Wednesday, when the weather comes, we're not caught by surprise. And I think that's sort of the approach that might be newer for people is we're not going to necessarily change some of these things from happening. But we want to be able to replan rapidly and not be caught by surprise so much. Right. And I think that same kind of outlook and precedent holds in. A lot of the things that happen in construction, like late projects, over budget, uh, over committing manpower, manpower shortage, labor shortage. It's just a lot of people use that as, yeah, it happens. It's construction, man, you know, and it's getting better, right? But at the same time, we can't sit there and, and use that excuse anymore as an industry in the sense that, mm -hmm. well, yeah, if we've gotten to the point where we've recognized it as a standard, we've sure as hell had enough time to figure out a solution, right? Like, mm -hmm. it, like I mean, the labor shortage, maybe not. That's kind of like federally wide problem. Like, you know, no single PM is going to figure that out, right? But you can take steps to do that in your personnel marketing and how you hire people and how you retain people and people understand that change. But I think there's a lot of, which is funny with the personalities in construction, there's a lot of just like cognitive dissonance in the sense or like ignoring the problem being like, yep, construction, man, it happens. And I think that's kind of just a coping mechanism because there's so many balls in the air at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like it would take a legend to solve all of the problems of every ball in the air. So why not oh, yeah. chalk four up to to just kind of fate right? <laughs> and, and norm? And then the other two I can kind of solve or chip away at. Um, mm -hmm. But again, there's technologies out there that are trying to solve every ball in the air. And that kind yeah. of brought me like, I know we're coming up on time here, but that brings me also to possibly the negative of 
only bringing in one technology that thinks they do everything or the, you know, because it's like I do everything, but I don't do one thing very well out of all those things where we see that in our marketplace, um, where why we've come out with kind of our go to market strategy and and then other people that throw money at problems where they have a tech stack on their job of 17 different things four of which are probably going to be used five of which were just you know whether it was client or owner recommended and then the other three that will probably just be like fun to look at on the weekends and like fly around the high rise that you're building right so like where where is that sweet spot that you've seen and if you had any recommendations for like building a tech stack for a project that you see being really successful? Well, I think it comes down to what we were saying earlier of purchasing any type of technology is not going to fix the problem if we're not ready to, to make some changes. Just buying that piece of software, buying that technology is not going to change anything. And so it comes down to, well, what's what do we think is our biggest issue right now? What's our biggest, what's the thing holding us up the most? And so if a team already has TouchPlan, I'd probably direct them, what are the variances that you're dealing with the most? Able to see all their variance reasons on their project. What's the thing that's holding them up the most? And take that, and if you don't have TouchPlan, you're not tracking variance reasons, you still have some sense of what's causing us the most amount of issues. Does it have to do with how we're getting materials on site? Well, then maybe we need to invest in something that's going to help us manage materials better. Is the biggest issue for us that communication between trade partners of who's going to be where? Well, then maybe we really need to double down on our planning efforts of that communication and transparency and planning. And it's taking that look in the mirror of where are, what's the biggest issue we have right now? And what can we do to solve it? That reflection, that moment of reflection, and we're we not going to solve every. First. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure out if they right, are we have first. To know those they are first. Right. Yeah. But you're you're not going to solve everything all at once. And so it's the approach I have with teams when I'm discussing they're three months down down the road in touch plan and we're looking at their variant reasons. We're talking about sort of ways they can keep improving. It's well, let's not try and solve everything at once. Let's take what's the biggest issue right now. And what are some ways that we as a team can dig into that, why those things are happening and what are action items we can take? Sort of do it in a very thoughtful manner and that approach of like, here's the issue we're dealing with right now. Here's what's costing us time. Here's what's costing us money. Here's what's costing or causing a lot of confusion. And dig into what's actually the root of that problem and start figuring out, okay, what can we do to prevent that problem from happening in the future? Is it changing just a process? Um, for before we have our weekly meeting, we're all going to pull up TouchPlan and we're all going to look at our variance reasons. Or and so it's a change of process. It's not adding another software on top of TouchPlan. It's changing the process. Um, or or maybe it does come down to okay, we've done the we've done the look. We've talked about the process we want to change, and we're going to need a software to help us do it. But digging into the why you want to change the process helps make sure that. The process you're changing is something that's hopefully going to help and you're not just trying to change everything because if you change everything all at once you're not going to know what helped and what hurt because you changed too many things and so that sort of thoughtful approach i think could be really helpful for making sure you're attacking the right problems because you've looked at what the problems are yeah 
I think we hear a lot too, especially with our technology and other other firms hear this as well is, well, yeah, we, we're, we're gonna implement this, but on a project that's that's like perfect for it. Our, our trial project should be like very well selected with the team we know that's gonna be successful. And that always cracks me up in the sense that like, I want you to choose the team that's a disaster, right? Like to see if something really brings value. Let's take the step to improve the worst thing we have instead of the best thing we have. Where well, yeah. maybe we can take the time to focus on a, a different variant in that project. But if we're not all, you know, the whole all ships rise with the incoming tide is is if we're going to try something on our best project. Like we're leaving people behind here. Right. And I think that kind of lends to the same thing we talked about, where. It's like, oh, well, you know. Project Team B, that's the way they're going to be. And we just, we simply can't do that to stay competitive in this market, right? We see firms yeah. that are far ahead of other GCs. And that's because they've done the things that we kind of talked about today. And I mean, it's not like inciting fear, but again, that continuous learning, like don't just look internally, right? You're never going to be the best in a marketplace until you look externally. And not only what are they doing, but how in God's name did they get there, right? And I think that's super important for like the community that we've built and the referrals and the references that we give from one company to another um, to to grow everyone. Yeah, I also think there's that thought of we need to wait for the perfect moment to to change everything. So definitely yeah, for six with years. Teams <laughs> yeah, well, especially also with like with something that can be as sort of dramatic of a change in planning as the last planner system, we need to wait for the perfect moment to to introduce them to everything. Well, why? Why can't we just start with how we change their weekly work planning process? Why can't we just start with implementing daily huddles and let's build up from there? We don't have to wait for the perfect moment because that perfect moment's never coming. We're just we're <laughs> we're sort of we're constantly in motion. Everyone's constantly moving and they're constantly moving forward. So trying to wait for that perfect moment that's not going to come, let's meet them where they're at and let's let's get them on board the train because it's it's going to keep going. And and I mean, you and I know as well, like the most successful GCs or individual project teams are the ones that set a goal, let's say in terms of process improvement, whatever whatever problem they're trying to solve, whatever business challenge they're trying to solve is Yes, we can sit in a room and we can come up with this utopia. But do we want to set that as the goal right now? Like, could we bite off a piece of this that will improve our ROI or our cut down on our time or get us more bids? But it doesn't have to be like you keep mentioning last planner system. And again, I'm not going to jargon and like, but. Why, why don't we say, okay, maybe we'll be there in five years. But I, I see a lot of success where teams go, okay, I have 15% of all my projects running six-week look-ahead poll plans. And those projects are finishing in this metric, and they're doing better in that metric, and that's making them better. Let's just get us, by the end of the year, let's get us to 30% of our teams doing that. right? We mm -hmm. don't have to set this like massive overarching goal 
we can set it within one business unit. And I would like to hear about, I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but not everyone listening does, is do you see those teams, like I have a ton of examples in my head and I don't want to shout them out because they're all clients of ours, but that do that where they bite off a, a digestible piece and really obtain that goal instead of having a seven-year kind of tiptoeing towards this massive undigestible goal. Yeah, and I think I think with those goals, the, the understandable goals also comes in with where we've seen the most success is having the person who's setting those goals, who's often higher up at the company, whether it's a project executive or a VP of operations or whatever, it's oftentimes someone who's not necessarily on the project team setting those goals. And so it's never good when you have someone just being like, you're going to do this now. Um, Cause that's not, that's not easy. The why is missing all of that. So having it be an attainable goal and also having that person who's setting the goals have the mentality of it's okay if you fail because I'm going to support you to get you to this place. So you may stumble a little bit getting to getting the whole team pull planning or whatever the goal is. Having that person who's setting the goals, have it be an understandable and attainable goal, but also have them be there in a supportive manner to say, okay, if you if you stumble the first time, well, I'm going to keep working with you to get to get you there. Because I think having that, and it comes back to things we've talked about earlier, command control, all that, having that goal come with like, a, I'm going to beat you over the head with this goal. You have to hit it. No ifs, ands, or buts. This, everything's on the line for this. Puts everyone back in that fear position of, well, I'm, I don't, how am I going to do this? I don't understand it. I don't know how, how am I going to get there. But having the goal come from someone who has, who's ready to support the process change and the stumbles that are going to go along with the process change makes it a lot easier to adopt. Because if they do run into challenges, no one's worried or, or fearful of, someone just screaming them out and chewing them out for something because they have that support network in place. They have the support network of the other project teams trying this new process. They're able to hear ideas of how it's working, how it's not, because it's a supportive environment. And I think that's where I've seen the most success is when that environment is, is part of the goals. It's not just having the goals that's important, but having that environment be part of the goals where, hey, we're taking, we're taking these baby steps. We know what our overarching goal is. Here's why we're all doing this together. I think that's where we've seen project teams really thrive because they've got they've got sort of the the mix of the good the, the attainable goal, the vision of why we're doing this, and then also people backing them up. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I I also see a lot of we we live in a competitive marketplace, right, where people use sink or sink or swim kind of thing and a lot of what upper management has seen is on my website, I need to advertise that we are lean, we're collaborative, we're supportive. We So whatever it may be, that clearly is a competitive advantage in this current marketplace. But a lot of the time you speak to those people and those project teams that are coming from that GC's website that are part of that GC, you speak to them and they almost have no idea what you're talking about, right? It's like, oh, mm -hmm. on your website, you say that you're running this or that, or you do this. And that initiative has not trickled down. And really 
what we've seen, and I would love to hear your opinion, is that the trickle up effect and going from the grassroots benefit to the project benefits to the ROI benefits to the brand identity benefits that will come from more bids and more projects and so on and so forth is almost more effective instead of the trickle down. Because not only through that process you get everyone on board, but also you're obviously seeing the results at each stage. Is that something for that sure. you see? Oh, for sure. If I, I would say we've got two different scenarios. We've got a project team who's maybe unsure about touch plan and they're saying, oh, I don't know. Do I want to purchase? Do I want to not? I don't know. Me saying to them, here's all the reasons why you want to do this. Or you sitting down with the same. Here's all the reasons why touch plan is great. It's only going to go so far. But if one of their colleagues, one of their coworkers they've worked with before is like, hey, I've used touch plan before. Here's why it's helpful. That's going to go a million times further. And so when it's the project teams working together and sharing that information, going from one project to another, saying, you know what, I'm going to, I want to use touch plan on this next project too, and growing it that way. And I think this works for all software as I keep using touch plan, but it, it really can be anything is coming from there of like, here's why I want to keep using touch plan. Here's why I want to keep using this software and telling other people about it. That's going to go so much further than us coming in and saying, here's why you should use touch plan or their boss saying, here's why you should use this software. But coming from someone who's been in that situation, who's dealt with the same challenges that this project team is dealing with right now, that's going to go so much further because you know there's no sort of like ulterior, uh, ulterior motive. My boss is telling me to do something. Their motive is from their, what their goals are. But if it's one of my colleagues who's doing, sitting right next to me who's saying, here's why I think you should do something. We're just in this situation. That's always going to go so much further. And so that's why I always love right. when I get on a call with someone and it's like, hey, one of the first, I always ask a lot of the same questions when I first get on with a team. One of them is often like, before I get started, has anyone used TouchPlan before, seen it in action, what's going on? I love when I hear, well, I haven't used it, but I sat in on a meeting with Joe Schmo. Um, or yeah, I was actually on my last job. They were using it when I got there or whatever, because I know that means they're still with us. They want to keep working with us. And so it's always exciting to hear that. Right. I'm definitely hearing it more yeah. and more too, which is always great. In the same breath, it's easier for the C-suite and executive team to implement in oh, an yeah. intelligent way because it's not like pulling freaking teeth oh, yeah. from your project teams, right? Because they're going to hear it from you and they're going to go to their buddy that's working on another project and talk about that. When you get that, that buy-in effect, whether it's on a project, within a business unit, within a company, and the word of mouth spreads, it's way more effective. Oh, for sure. And I've also definitely seen, seen in terms of implementation strategies as we're rolling out, because I, I work a lot of, with a lot of our enterprise clients who are talking through an implementation plan for how are we going to roll touch plan across this division, this group of projects, whatever. More often than not, it becomes really impactful if on a call they have someone who's been using TouchPlan for longer share their experience so that the, the teams who are unsure about it or haven't used it yet can talk right to them. And I think leveraging that grassroots approach of it has worked really well for a lot of the executives I work with because they're hearing directly from the project team why it's important. So they, they can remember that for when they're talking to other teams, but they're also then using or having that person share their story, lessons learned are only helpful if you share them. 
Um, cause then no one else right. is going to learn them if you don't. So having that team share those lessons learned with everybody, like you just said, it makes their lives a lot easier too, because you've got everyone sort of rowing to the same, same pace there, rowing the same direction. Singing, singing from the same page. Of the singing from the same tune. Rowing, rowing yeah. How many, how many cheesy analogies can I get in here? Um, yeah, I've used, I've used quite a lot of analogies to... today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's what we do. And meeting them where we are is what we say all the time. But oh. <laughs> I want to thank you for, for taking the time. I know you're busy and I, you know, I see firsthand how busy you are. So thanks for, for jumping on and, and giving some advice about around everything that we've talked about today. But I will, I will release you and let you spread your wings for this. <laughs> For everyone listening, it's a Friday afternoon, and both Carly and I have had a week. So we will we'll catch you later, and thanks so much, Carly. Yeah, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.